Today's election topic is housing and homelessness. What are Manitobans dealing with, and what are the party's strategies as we move forward? We got to speak with the NDP. The PCs are going to be on with Hal and the Liberals on the news with Rich and Julie. We also learned today the city of Winnipeg has quietly cancelled a program that offers free burial plots to veterans. We spoke to somebody to find out why and what's happening on that front because City Hall is starting to discuss this once more. And it occurred to us that our big prize this week, tickets to see Journey in concert with special guests Toto, is a pretty solid one-two punch. So we asked you, what's your favorite double threat? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, September 26th podcast for The Start. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Before we let you know what's coming up on the show, I feel like we have to just offer a warning in case you hear a sudden alarm going off in our studio. <laughs> that sounds like beep, 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 beep. We heard a sound in this studio we had never heard before. <laughs> Trying to figure out. Wait, it went off like 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. I'm like, what is that? Stand up. Like, where is that coming from? Is it coming from in the wall? And then Brett leaned into the wall. Well, we got all these monitors and stuff in the wall. Like, is there some sort of a... It just looked very like uh, you were a bank robber and you could feel the safe. (laughs) You know, if I feel the safe just right, I'll be able to (laughs) sense the source of this. I was like, well, Brett's on this. Like, he knows how to fix this. And then I watched you and I was like, "Ah, I'm going to get John the engineer. (laughs) Like... Yeah, I mean, once I, once I stepped over I towards know. the wall, I'm like, no, it's not the wall. It's coming from Loren's computer. We got this little tower beside me with the computer, so I just turned it off. Anyway. We don't know why it did it, so we're just warning because it could happen. We don't know why it happened. Yeah. We don't know the reasoning. I've been around computers since I was 11 years old, so 40 plus years. I've never, ever heard a computer make that noise. I was, f- quite frankly, fearful for... Our our lives for about a split second because that thing is going to blow up because that's what it sounded like something from Mission Impossible, the mission should you choose to accept it and then oh, the message yeah. and then it you know explodes and yeah disappears. It felt like it was getting faster even it though did. it wasn't like beep 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 yeah, and I didn't leave the room, which is more bothersome. I had that thought, <laughs> and, I just, and, I just, on. and I just sat here. If I really <laughs> thought it was dangerous, I probably should have bolted. But anyway, yeah, so that's a good warning because that that noise, if you heard it coming through your radio, whether you were driving or in your kitchen, would, would probably alarm you, your cats, your dogs, and, and your hamsters. Very effective alarm, whatever it was meant for. I assume it was some sort of an overheating alarm. If anybody who knows computers knows what we're talking about, this mystery, super loud, beep, 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 coming from a computer, feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868. So with that out of the way, the warning has been issued. Today's big topic as we were a week away from the election and we'll be focusing today loren on housing and homelessness and that's a big topic because you have of course a huge homelessness population on our streets and and you see it in all corners of the city there's been a number of initiatives discussed at various levels of government on how to address that because this is a nationwide problem so there's the most vulnerable how do we house that community but then there's also just a huge chunk of winnipeggers canadians out there who are talking about home ownership being out of reach 
And even that, the idea of just having a nice one bedroom, two bedroom, and I mean average, you know, like being happy where you're living feels unaffordable for many. So what are the things that governments can actually do at the provincial level to address this? To me, it's almost three separate issues. You've got homelessness and, uh, and, and, and shelter, immediate need and shelter for those that need it now. And then you've got this affordability crisis mm-hmm. that's really hitting, uh, you know, the middle class and the, the working class population harder than, than everyone else, because rents are fluctuating. Brett, you're, you're, you're dealing with this yourself. I don't need to tell you that, but for our listeners, uh, you know, talking about people who, who have always paid the rent, have had an never had a problem finding a place to live now are making decisions about where they live based on the ability or their ability to afford the rent. And then you have an affordability crisis for those that have owned homes for 10, 15, 20 years as their mortgages come up for renewal and whether or not people are going to stay in those homes or how dramatically their finances are going to be impacted. So there's three or four separate issues in this for me, Brett. Yeah, the uh, the rent thing, for sure, like I've been thinking, if my rent continues to rise, uh, will I have to look elsewhere to for somewhere to live? I thought about the, the idea of moving into this new place down the street at, uh, was, was it 300, Maine, the new building, the new tower? Mm-hmm. and uh, But like they start at like 1,800 bucks mm-hmm. or something like that, so... That's uh, that's four hundred more than what I'm paying, uh, so that is out of the question for me. But where I'm at right now, I'm happy with my place. I don't feel it. I, I joked when I moved in because it was the second time I had moved that year that I'm going to die in that apartment. <laughs> but uh, I don't think I'd be able to afford that. So uh, feel free to let us know where you're at at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. And, and our, who are we speaking with on this? Sorry, Brett. Uh, so we'll get. Hear from us some Winnipeggers in our next segment, just right after the weather at 6.15. And then at 7, we're going to talk to the NDP. The leaders are in a debate in Brandon this morning, so we aren't speaking to any of the leaders. We'll be talking to Bernadette Smith of the NDP. But, you know, as you talk about uh, rental, then there's the housing market, as Greg mentioned, where I'm curious. I've seen a lot more signs go up in my neighborhood recently, and I'm wondering if there's a demand for that, if it's time to sell, or if people are now thinking, I have to sell because I can't hang on to this mortgage any longer. I, I might be in a variable interest rate and I'm struggling. And so if you look, there's still a lot of houses out there and some of them do seem affordable. And then there's the other ones you're, I think, who's paying for this? Like who's got the cash? So there is a wide variety of needs and it's a complicated question and answers to give. And at 6.45, we're going to tell you how you can win tickets for a concert we just announced yesterday, Journey, coming to Canada Life Centre on March 4th, 2024. And their opening act, Greg, is Toto. And for a lot of folks, that opening act may be as powerful a draw as Journey themselves. What does Toto sing? I think I know I know. Africa, Africa uh, is probably their biggest could, hit by a mile. I could see Loren, you know... You know, you like the Wilson Phillips and you wave in the arms. I could see you waving as you bless the rains in the Africa. Rain, is, it, is that the one? I was going to say, oh, yeah. it How quick can we get that Africa there for it, Che? For, for, there we go. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. This is a mainstay on radio. I hear this weekly as I'm flipping around the radio. And every time I got to stop and listen to it. People beautiful love harmony. this song. And they've got some other songs as well. If you ever dated anyone named Rosanna, yeah, you know it. that song. <laughs> and you know Rosanna. Toto. 
<laughs> I got I went down a real rabbit hole yesterday of Toto songs because I got a text message from one of my good friends who said, uh, yeah, I know Journey's coming, but you didn't mention that Toto's coming with them. <laughs> this person, this friend of mine said, I've been waiting 35 years to see Toto. Wow. So there you go. So they're coming to Winnipeg along with Journey. It's Journey's 50th anniversary. Wow. Uh, tour, so uh, that's going to be a hot ticket. That's going to be a great night of music. Smackling McGarry and McNabb, we all know the number of rental units in this province just is not keeping up with the demand, particularly when it comes to affordable rental units and affordable housing. So the vacancy rate for a one-bedroom apartment sits around 2%. That's fluctuated a bit this year. The average rent about 1200 bucks again, just for a one-bedroom apartment. So Global News has gone out and talked to a variety of people. One woman, like you're about to hear from now, was in Sage Creek and says she thought Winnipeg would be a good place to retire and rent until she got a $200 a month increase. I was moving from Ontario. In Ontario, there is a fixed percentage that rentals can be increased by. So I based it on that, um, kind of thinking that if that was the same, then I was, you know, on my fixed income, I was able to maintain um, my rent. But when I got the $200 increase, I just, I had to go and get back to work. I couldn't stay retired because I had to cover off the rent. So back to work just to afford that rental. And she talked about Ontario having fixed increases. They can't raise the rent certain amount. Manitoba has that too. We have controls over how much rent can be increased any given year. So for example, next year, it's been set at 3%, but always, Greg, there are exemptions. That's right. So those would be, and this is uh, just amongst a list of exemptions, probably the three most common would be the units renting for more than $1,615 per month. They can increase rents uh, more, basically as much as they want, as the market will bear. Uh, so can units uh, in builds first occupied after March of 2005, as well as rental units owned by governments. And then there's a huge caveat here. There are approved rehabilitated rental units. Owners can apply for a rental increase based on the cost of their improvements. Brenda Devlin also rents in Winnipeg and says in the last year, costs have gone way up. We- woke up one like Monday morning at like 8 a.m. to very loud construction in our hallway and there was no prior notification but they were redoing our floors um, which to us was felt kind of ominous for a lot of us because those floors like they weren't great but they weren't they were they were acceptable for sure they did not need to be renovated which was a big point of contention for us because this was this started taking place after the zero percent rent guideline had taken place so that was like we kind of started wondering if this was going to happen and then come February of 2022 we got a notification that Onyx would be applying for a 22% rent increase. That's Brendan Devlin. This is Utaka Dirks, chair of the Right to Housing Coalition. We know that between 2019 and 2021, 60,000 tenant households faced an above guideline rent increase. We know from the street uh, census, the homelessness survey, the number two cause of people's most recent entry into homelessness was conflict or eviction from a landlord and sometimes from uh, rent eviction. The first one, of course, was not having enough income uh, to afford uh, the housing costs. So we need more affordable housing, uh, and and we hope that the next government uh, does invest in affordable housing and does close, close these loopholes around the rent regulation system. Utaka just used a term there I hadn't heard, rent eviction. So the idea that you have these renovations in your unit increase goes up, say, 22%. How are you stomaching that? So that's one of the issues of many bread. 
What will the next government of Manitoba do to address affordable housing and homelessness? At 7.07, we'll speak with the NDP. The PCs give their take to Hal at 10 a.m. And the Liberals will speak to the news just after 4.30. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to give away for Journey, announced just yesterday morning, March 4th, 2024, Canada Life Centre. What we failed to mention yesterday is that the opening act is Toto. And for some, that's the draw. That's a pretty solid duo of bands coming to Winnipeg. And we've got actually some some neat history, Greg, from listener Scott uh, regaling us about uh, Toto and the bands they've played with over the course of the years. Yeah, Steely Dan, Seals and Cross, Boss Skag, Sonny and Cher, so many more contributing to many of the most popular records of the 70s. I was reading about Toto yesterday that if you combine all the band members and all the bands they've ever played with, it's like 250 million albums sold. Like So their connection and their tentacles into, as uh, as Scott says, some of the most popular music of of the time is absolutely phenomenal. So journey and Toto, Toto and journey. You can win tickets for those right now. We want to talk about double threats, your favorite double threat, whether it's a concert you've been to, that was a solid opening one, two uh, act. And then, then the prior, the main act, or if it's a favorite duo in sports, um, or if you want to do something different, like, uh, I don't know, a double, double. 204-780-6868 204-780-6868 for a chance to win. Those tickets will pick our winner at 9.15. Producer Jeff Forte, why don't we start with you, sir? Okay, mine's so random. It's the first thing that popped in my head, and uh, it's, it's it's strange. Do you all remember the movie uh, Stand By Me? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. And Gordy's telling the, the story around the campfire about... Uh, the kid who's getting revenge at the pie eating contest yes. with the ibicac. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the only thing I could think of, like, just came to my head, was before he goes on stage, he just did a double threat of uh, taking the castor oil and eating a raw egg. Oh yeah, which just I don't know why that's the first thing that popped in my head: <laughs> castor oil and a raw egg. And uh, yes, uh, all havoc broke loose there. It was. Uh, I, I don't know why that popped in my head. That's a, that's a double threat. <laughs> yeah, because maybe you've thought of that before. Like that's how you're gonna. If you ever walk into the news booth, Sarah, and you see Jeff turn to you with this a is how hard-boiled egg, <laughs> just start running. Oh. Well, Sarah, what about you? Oh, well, I thought mine was random, but not that <laughs> random. But I still think this came from the depths of my memory. Um, mine's like a TV duo. Um, watched them growing up, and uh, they have a couple live-action films as well. But I'll just play this and see if you know so scooby and shaggy i don't know why i thought of this but it was my initial thought again because they're awesome they are awesome they're kind of the funny background characters but they often take over the main funniness and they always contribute to solving the mystery let's be real come on and who's performing that version of the theme that song is, is that like plan. blink 182 simple plan oh a simple plan i would have said band. blink 182 oh that's cool yeah. uh blink 182 recently released a new song by the way oh. oh yeah it's Did- pretty it's pretty good. Didn't Kiss do a whole Scooby-Doo thing, too? Yeah, they, oh, they were, they, like, they guest had like a stars. movie. Yeah. I, I thought they had yeah. a movie with Scooby-Doo. Yes. Kiss? Yeah, they yeah. just yeah. cartoon, I remember right? my kids years ago, all of a sudden I looked up, and I was like, is this Kiss oh, maybe, with yeah. Scooby-Doo? Yeah, and yeah. it was. Casey Kasem was uh, was uh, Shaggy, right, for yeah. years. Who was Scooby-Doo, though? Who did a raw raw Shaggy? 
I will seek to find that out. Yes. Ross Levitan in for Cam Poitras. What about you? Maybe it's just because I'm hungry this morning, but... Uh, <laughs> PB&J? I, I, well, Castor no. oil and egg. <laughs> you, you think jam goes best with peanut butter? Because peanut butter is a part of my duo, but it's not jam. What honey? is it, honey? Chocolate. Come on. Oh, yeah. Like Come on. on. Like just on. like a peanut butter and chocolate bar. I, and I know Reese's Pieces probably made it more famous, but a nice homemade peanut butter and chocolate bar, nothing better. Okay, explain that a little bit more. Like it's sweet. But it's what, creamy. How, how's it made? Like, like you just put a layer of peanut butter down layer, and then yeah. you put melted bar? chocolate? I'll put a little granola in there as well for an extra oh, wow. crunch. But, you make uh, your own peanut butter yeah, of course. chocolate bar? Of course. Of course, you, <laughs> of course, you idiot. What <laughs> is the chocolate base? <laughs> uh, I just use like 80% dark chocolate and I just kind of use a uh, whisk and put it over some water and Listen to this melt guy. it oh, down. Oh, wow. Away we go. That's it fancy. Takes time. Me and my brother, when we were kids, we used to just take peanut butter and the Nest Quick chocolate syrup and just mix it up and eat it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why not? And, and then a bonus oh. to that, too, is after you've kind of melted the chocolate down, just throw a banana in, roll it, and put it in the fridge, and then you got that as, as a bonus. So. Lost me at the banana. No, <laughs> right. Yeah, you've been, you've been on a, a rampage against bananas. That's correct. And I will Why? stay there. Because if we were day. doing best fruits. No, you, you come on. No. no. Yeah, I know. You both, both Craig and Brett came in with bananas today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Lorenz actually recent hatred for the bananas reinvigorated my... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Something I hate, you'll turn into something. Well, you I just, it's a good snack. It's a good tell. Any more potassium? Uh, what about you, Loren? So you had mentioned couples, and I have been down this rabbit hole lately. You know how when you start reading about someone, I will. I'm not ashamed to admit that at night to get myself to go to bed, I'll do like celebrity magazine reading or whatever. And so I've gone down a huge hole of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds mm. clips because they are a dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over as a couple, I love them. They're Did terrific. you say overrated? Yeah, after he, after he failed to buy the sentence, he's a bit overrated. <laughs> oh, jeez. After he what? Failed to buy the senators. Oh, yeah, he tried. It all goes back to the senators. Come on, Past he's Deadpool. He's going to save yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's alongside right, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that's a good couple, though. It just seems like they're good. It's going to be disappointing when that doesn't last, cause some, because somewhere along the way... Something will mess up. And I would I think know. an argument could be made that they are they are among the best-looking couples on planet Earth. Yeah, and they're really honest about their kids. And she's, you know, I think it's three now, maybe four. I can't remember. I was looking at different videos of her over the years, and they make fun of each other. And I don't know. I like them. Ryan Reynolds' interview with David Letterman on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, see it. If you're on the fence about Ryan Reynolds in any way, shape, or form, I can't imagine that you would be. It would take you over, over the top. Absolutely fantastic interview in their home. He's wonderful. Sarah was actually saying that there could be a new power couple that oh. takes takes <laughs> the oh, cake Travis over and them. Taylor. I said, is it too early to say my favorite duo is <laughs> Travis and Kelsey no, or Travis and Taylor? <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. <laughs> and when, so when oh. he plays for Kansas City, Kansas City. Chiefs. So in, in approximately eighteen months to twenty four months, Taylor will be releasing a, a song about yes. Kansas City breakup. <laughs> yes. Kansas City breakup. What's yeah. going to happen first is Kansas is going to like lose, and it's all going to be her fault. Or something. That's how it's, we're going to blame the woman for bringing this whole team There's down. There's a great breakdown on Instagram. This young woman who's an Eagles fan talks about how this is all a ruse and a plan to sabotage <laughs> the Eagles. Yeah. Taylor going out with Travis Kelsey, whose brother plays for the Eagles. It's just it's 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 hilarious the the way she connects the dots. Anyway, and who's your double threat, Greg? Uh, Jeff. Zimmerman, if you followed the Winnipeg Gold Eyes back in the early 1990s, their best pitcher was Jeff Zimmerman, went on to play in Major League Baseball. 
He was an all-star. His first season, he became a relief pitcher in MLB. My brother befriended his wife and Jeff in Vancouver. Long story short, (laughs) my brother and I went to see the Texas Rangers July 25th, 2001, and Jeff got us official hats and everything, and he managed to get a save not in one but two games that day. He got a save on both ends of a doubleheader, and uh, to this day, one of the coolest baseball days of my life was to see a friend get saves in two ends of a double header at a major league baseball park. That castor pretty cool. oil and egg was obscure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really relatable there. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we want to get right into this here as we look at the big election issues that matter to you, and today is housing and homelessness, and of the three of us, I am the renter. I have owned a home before, and it will probably be the last home I own because the idea of getting into a home is kind of nice, but the idea of saving up just for the down payment Probably not going to happen, especially with the fact that my rent just keeps going up every year, every year, every year, unless I make a change to my living situation. So we're going to ask the three parties this morning what their plans are to address affordable housing and homelessness in this province. These are big issues. Our goal is to take our questions directly to the leaders. But because the three leaders are meeting in about 20 minutes for a leaders debate in Brandon, they weren't available to us this morning. So we're joined now by the NDP's Bernadette Smith. Good morning, Bernadette. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we want to start with the issue of, of home ownership. And, you know, as Brett alluded to, the dream of it might just remain a dream for so many. And so what will your party do? What policies would you put in place to increase the amount of housing and make that housing more affordable for Manitobans? Yeah, we would introduce a $700 tax credit, renter's tax credit to help people who are, you know, at risk of not being able to afford a home that they live in. And and also remove the PST on new construction uh, to for you know people who are wanting to to buy new housing. It's been you know Manitoba is affordable, like one of the most affordable provinces. A lot of people are coming here to to live because of that. You look at BC, right? Astronomical um, to buy there. Uh, Manitoba is. You know, the the province that people are looking at with uh, housing being so low, but when we live here, it looks so high, right? So we are looking at how do we keep people here to grow our economy. And certainly these are a couple of things that we are we are going to do. To help that. Well, Bernadette, uh, the area of the city that you live in, we have this sort of paradox in my mind where you have, you have uh, two situations that butt up against one another. We've got a crisis of vacant buildings and boarded up houses that are susceptible to fire and other criminal activity. And then we have this housing shortage. Is there a way to eliminate both those situations with one well thought out program? Yeah, we've we've had a government that's failed to uh, build social and affordable housing or maintain the existing. So you see a lot of boarded up social housing in in this riding, actually in a lot of the ridings. So you see a lot of housing that has been not maintained by private landlords. And I know the city has been working on 
policy around that? How long can they stay boarded up till they, you know, take over ownership and then allow that to be sold off? Certainly, we've been trying to work with city because we have a lot of people in Point Douglas that want to buy those properties, um, rent them out to folks. Point Douglas is an amazing community that, you know, come together that want to make it this beautiful, beautiful, vibrant community. We often get this this bad reputation that it's it's an unsafe community, don't live there, but people take care of their properties. People take care of one another and they want to, um, you know, maintain the properties. You look at Main Street where that fire was. It's now been demolitioned and the community is asking for that to be green space, right? Somewhere for people to gather, uh, to create, you know, the space of, of community. So certainly there's room for that. Um, when you look at the Point Douglas Common area, half of that is like market rent and the other half is geared to income. So certainly looking at some of that kind of um, housing, Absolutely. I want to ask you about rent control because at 6.15 we played audio from a woman. You referenced people moving to Winnipeg and moving to Manitoba. She moved here uh, and then she had to come out of retirement because her rent jumped by 200 bucks a month. So what policies do you have on rent regulations? Yeah, we saw people go in front of the residential tenancies board that had maybe painted, you know, their suite And 100% of those people that went in front of residential tenancy boards to get increases to their rent were given those increases. So we are going to put a cap on those increases. We're not going to allow landlords to increase rents by exorbitant amounts and then, you know, price people out of their apartments. My daughter actually was one of those um, tenants. So she was given a discount on her first year of rent went into an apartment at 850, you know, it was her first apartment, you know, was very happy, independent, finally was feeling, you know, this is my first apartment. After the first year, that almost $200 um, discount was taken away, it now became $1,049. She had to move out of that apartment. And then there's, you know, cost to moving and getting waiting for your damage deposit so, to come back. Apologies for interrupting, Bernadette. that when you say you'll put a cap on it, like we do have a cap on the rent increases an apartment can do, but then there's that list of exemptions. So you're saying you put on a, you'd put on a cap on even the apartment owners who apply for those double, triple digit increases because of rehabilitation and renovations? Yes, they won't be allowed to apply for these absorbent amounts. So say like they, uh, they, paint the apartment and they want to increase rents by let's say $500 per apartment. We wouldn't allow $500 per apartment to increase per month. There would be a certain amount. So maybe it's $25 per month because that would just price people out of their apartment and people can't afford to pay, you know, even $25. So there would have to be a certain amount that they'd be increased by. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 7%. We don't know what that number would be. It would be based on how much they paid to uh, renovate that apartment. You know, if they put a new stove in, they can increase it by 
you know, $50, let's say. These are they're complicated issues, Bernadette, and I apologize. We just have about a less than a minute here. So I just wanted to ask about your homelessness plan. You have a target of getting people off the street within a specific time frame. How do you plan to do that if someone identifies as homeless? How are you going to hit that? Is it a 100-day time frame, if I understand correctly? Well, we said in two terms. So we are going to have 100 mental health workers working along law enforcement. We're also going to work with frontline workers who are already out there identifying those who need homes. But we are also going to work on the social housing that we have and getting folks into those existing social housing units and work alongside landlords and get people into those existing uh, rental units and figure out how we can um, make some, um, you know, figure out some uh, deals with some landlords where we can make sure that people are staying in these homes at reasonable reasonable rent um, rates. We know that, you know, um, landlords need to rent these spaces as well. But we also know that we want to make sure that, you know, they're not exorbitant amounts. We're also going to build social housing. The PCs never built one social housing unit. Any social housing unit that was built was already um, shovels were in the ground under our government. Bernadette Smith with the NDP. I'm afraid we will have to leave it there, but thank you very much for joining us this morning, and we'll hear from the PCs on Hal's show, and then the Liberals will join the news with Rich and Julie uh, this afternoon, uh, just after 4.30. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are asking you this morning for a chance to win tickets to see Journey and Toto on March 4th, 2024, your favorite, because that's a pretty good one-two punch, double threat. What's your double threat? Like Christy, with one for you, Greg, peanut butter and dill pickle sandwich. Yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> okay, that's Christy uh, with the CH. What does Harry have to say? Harry says, uh, double header days back in the old days of the arena and stadium, bombers in the afternoon. Jets at night. Oh, yeah. And uh, used to make a lot of money at Chi-Chi's those days, Loren. Of course. It always comes back to Chi-Chi's. You'd get three rushes before Bombers, in between the games, and then after Jets. You'd make a ton of cash. And then you head on over to the Tijuana Yacht Club. <laughs> and Greg, how about this for another snack? You might actually prefer this one from Elisa, who says, my ultimate is salt and vinegar chips with shrimp dip, a.k.a. snarf. Oh. Snarf. I approve anything with shrimp. I'm all over. You like mm. the salt and vinegar? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So I'm, I'm down for the snarf. <laughs> Tell What's us your that face, McNabb? I don't know. Just shrimp into a dip. I just know. Salt and vinegar and shrimp, a.k.a. snarf. That's an interesting double threat. What's yours? 204-780-6868. Could be a one-two concert. Could be a sports duo. Could be a power couple, cartoon couple, whatever. Tell us your story for a chance to win those tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We will continue the discussion. The big election topic today, housing and homelessness in just a moment. A reminder, though, that we have tickets to give away to see Journey and Toto on March 4th, 2024, Canada Life Centre. We're asking you about your favourite double threats because it's a pretty good one-two punch of a concert. And Eve with some solid cartoons on the brain. Chip and Dale, Pinky and the Brain. Yes. And then, of course, Mickey and Minnie. Yeah. Those are classic duos. You know, uh, Steve texted about Bon Jovi and the opener was Bad Company. Oh, oh I remember that. What did Bad Company sing? 
Uh, bad company is, uh, uh, oh. They sing bad company. This, yeah, they do. <laughs> and it, they've got a love song. Uh, what is it called? Feel Like Making Love. Feel, Feel like, like Making, making Love. love. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it would have been 94, 95, something like that. Okay. So tell us about your favorite double threats. Could be concerts, you know, opening band and great main band or a uh, favorite power couple or sports duo or a snack duo, whatever, 204-780-6868. In the meantime, whether you are in an apartment looking to get out of an apartment or into a home or are a senior in a home looking to downsize, almost all of us have housing questions. Yeah, this morning we're asking the leaders about what they would do when it comes to affordable housing and homelessness. They're, they're huge issues and, and maybe even separate issues, but lots to talk about here. Global's Rosanna Hempel went out and spoke to Winnipeggers about their housing needs and joins us now. Rosanna, good morning. Good morning. So what are some of the things you heard? Maybe uh, give us uh, the, the top thing, maybe concern that you heard when you were uh, speaking to Winnipeggers. Well, across the board, um, whether people were living, whether renters were living in new builds or old builds, they're facing these uh, increases for year over year that are beyond what they can afford. Uh, I spoke to a man, uh, Brendan Devlin. He lives in West Broadway. Uh, he moved out of a, an apartment building on Langside in April after a very long uh, battle with his landlord who hiked the, hiked the rent uh, the year before. And eventually, after that long fight, even though they took it to the residential tenancies branch, um, they, they still uh, went through a 12% increase. And so to explain the guidelines a little bit, um, it's a, a little confusing. There are a lot of uh, buildings that uh, are rent regulated, but there are a lot of exceptions. So for older uh, builds, uh, buildings that are older than 2005, uh, those are rent regulated. But if uh, landlords can prove an expense, um, they can then apply f uh, for an increase. And um, often those are approved. So in 2022 and 2023, the, the guideline was 0%. Um, but heading into next year, we're looking at a 3% increase. Um, but even for newer builds, so those those are not included. Uh, those aren't uh, rent regulated. So I also spoke to a, a widow who just, uh, she just went into retirement but decided to go back to work because she went through uh, a big hike, a 12% hike that was really too much for her. Yeah, on the one hand, you're going to have landlords say, look, we had these rents frozen for the past couple of years, in part because of COVID. So we need to see some increases to keep up with our costs. And then on the other, you mentioned Brendan, who initially, when they came out to him, after they started doing renovations in his building, the rent increase started at 22%, ended at 12 And that's in part because he was in a unit that uh, was allowed to have rehabilitation. And if you go through renovations, owners can apply for a rental increase. And so I'm going to play a clip for you, Rosanna, and then ask a follow-up question. But you spoke to Utaka Dirks, who's a chair of the Right to Housing Coalition. We know that between 2019 and 2021, 60,000 tenant households faced an above guideline rent increase. We know from the street uh, census, the homelessness survey, the number two cause of people's most recent entry into homelessness was conflict or eviction from a landlord, and sometimes from uh, rent eviction. The first one, of course, was not having enough income uh, to afford uh, the housing costs. So we need more affordable housing, uh, and, and we hope that the next government uh, does invest in affordable housing and does close these loopholes around the rent regulation system. 
So that was fascinating because he used a term I hadn't even heard of, Rosanna, the, the renovation, the idea that they renovate and then hike the rents and then people feel like they're sort of forced out. They maybe weren't evicted, but they can't keep up with the cost. And so there are all sorts of complaints. Did you hear anything in terms of solutions that maybe governments could do no matter who's elected uh, in a week's time? Yeah, it kind of depends on who you're talking to. So Utaka Dirks with Right to Housing Coalition says um, that he wants Manitoba to beef up the regulations. Part of that, he wants uh, um, newer builds, so um, buildings that are uh, built or that were moved into after 2005 to be included in those rent regulations, as well um, uh, units that come with a price tag of uh, $1,615 or more. Those are currently exempt, but he wants those to fall under the regulations as well. Um, you know, you mentioned those the, the cost of repairs and upgrades. Those are passed on to tenants uh, over a time period. So usually that falls between three to eight years, and he wants uh, he wants that time frame to be a bit more lenient to have uh, to, to have that paid off over a longer period. And when that when it's paid off for the rent to come back down, often he says that when when it's when that time frame is over, the rent stays up. Um, on the other hand, uh, I spoke to the Professional Property Managers Association, and he's telling me that that you know more rules would discourage construction and repairs, and that you know we're in a time where we need more housing. We want uh, developers and owners to get uh, to be building more units. Um, he's recommending that you know we that the province cut the PST on uh, service goods and services that landlords rely on. Um, he's also he also wants utility and realty taxes to be slashed because those are eventually passed on to tenants. Global's Rosanna Hempel, thank you for this. We'll hear more from you at six o'clock in your story and then from the leaders throughout the day. Appreciate it. Thank you. So we spoke to Bernadette Smith at seven. The Conservatives will join Hal at 10 and then the Liberals with Richard and Julie at 437. And it sort of feels like you're in this rock in a hard place. Build more, build more, build more. Make it affordable, make it affordable, make it affordable. Don't charge me any more because I can't take it. And so who wants to enter that climate as a builder? Yeah, but who's going to jump into that spreadsheet and go line by line by a builder or by a landlord, someone that's purchased a previously existing property and wants to provide solid housing, good environment with good amenities, who's going to go line by line and and go through that and suggest, oh, well, you shouldn't be charging for this. Uh, that should be coming out of your pocket. You shouldn't be passing along that expense to people living in the building. Like, you can't do that. There, there's Unfortunately, this is a business proposition because that's the way we've decided real estate was going to work. And... As I said earlier, there is a place for government here to build affordable housing and to build rent-controlled housing and uh, and uh, housing for those with lower incomes. But how else are you going to create an environment for people to build unless there's an opportunity for you to recover your costs and to make a little bit of a profit? Unfortunately, that's the system that we're in. It's It's kind of like... Some people will complain about the fact that we're, our property taxes are based on the value of our property. And so say you renovate your basement and you had a bathroom, you had a rec room, you had a bedroom. 
You go and you, you don't get let permits. The inspector in. Well, you go and you get <laughs> permits, or or you don't, or you don't. Or you go the wrong way. I, I say right? that jokingly, so it but becomes, that's what happens. It potentially becomes a deterrent to people keeping up their properties. And so I'm not saying you, you shouldn't have to get a permit, and I'm certainly not saying you shouldn't have to get your projects inspected, but when there's a disproportionate amount of quote-unquote penalty for for following the rules, people are going to be inclined to try and skirt those rules. And so for far too long, in my opinion, governments are making us pay twice on the wrong things. And so if you're a landlord and you want to keep your, your facility, your building up to code, you want to make it an attractive place for people to live, you can't put in systems that's going to stop me, prevent me, or thinking twice or three times about doing that. We don't want that either, do we? It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, or question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Our question of the day is, should the House of Commons speaker resign? He says he did not know the Ukrainian man he honored in Commons had fought for the Nazis. And so far, we have... 70, just under 70%, 69% say yes, 31% say no. And as we ask you this question, uh, just come across our newswire now, uh, Loren, uh, the latest from the House. And I was the- just watching the, the, the video from the House of Commons where that standing ovation occurred, and I just thought to myself, okay, there was a mistake in the invite, but then there was also a mistake in the fact that, you know, hundreds of people in there stood and applauded. And so Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says that the House Speaker is going to meet with the House leaders uh, on, and other major parties this morning to speak to that invite. And there have been calls, of course, as you said, for Rhoda to resign after he invited the veteran um, who turned out to have fought for Nazis to a speech by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. So there'll be more coming out of this, I guess, in the hours ahead. All right. And you can vote on your question of the day at cjob.com. In the meantime... Um What's this about science teeth? <laughs> it feels like uh, the Global News, the, the morning show on Global News is up behind Brett right now. And so I sound a little distracted because everything that you've said, it's like they're in just steps behind in tandem with us. So you were bringing up Rhoda. And so I was distracted by that video because you said this news just came across our wire. And then just seconds ago, you brought up teeth and it flashed the picture of these teeth. The world's first drug to regrow teeth is entering clinical trials. So this team of scientists by Japan. It's a pharmaceutical startup. They are growing new teeth in animal test subjects. And the pictures looked like I was looking at underwater SeaWorld, like, I don't know, amoeba. I don't even know what an amoeba is, but you know, like some sort of just like, ew, what is that? Science. And it's science and it's (laughs) teeth. And like, when you look at these photos, Greg, it looks like fingernails. Yes, it does. But it is teeth. They've been working at this since 2005. And of course, this would be a huge deal because, of course, once their teeth are gone, there are dentures and other things. But you get to a certain age where none of that works. Yes. And you'd give anything. I know I've had uh, relatives as they age. That's the one thing that they really struggle with. And they stop smiling as much and they don't speak the same because their teeth are bugging them and they can't eat the foods they want to eat. And it all becomes a sort of really vicious, mean end of life game. So what do you say to lab grown teeth? I say put them in my mouth right now. That's what I say. I've got a spot where I had a nasty root root canal when I was 15. I had a temporary filling on the 
tooth that was left. That tooth absolutely self-destructed over years. Uh, when my dentist, Brent Wong, pulled it out for me, it came out in about 100 pieces. This is a guy who does extractions all around the third world and says, Greg, that is the worst extraction I have ever done. It crumbled. And so I was on the road to getting an implant, but that experience of getting what was left of my tooth extracted horrified me, uh, scarred me. I'm not interested in having anybody work in that area of my mouth. I'm okay at the dentist right now, like everywhere else, but that particular spot, the idea of them going in and putting in an implant there, absolutely, it's a no-go for me right now, and we're like eight years later. So if they could do something to grow a tooth, where I no longer have one, sign me up. I will be like, uh, call me Mickey Mouse. I'll go right to the front of the line. If I need to be a mouse to be <laughs> a part of this trial, I will I will declare myself a mouse. Is it that you would take, so they call it uterine sensitization associated gene. I'm already lost. It can stimulate <laughs> tooth growth in mice suffering. So you'd take a pill, I think, and it okay. would stimulate the teeth growing. Wow. I, I, if I'm reading that right. I, I, like, I'm curious... As to, I haven't read enough about it, but I'm curious, like, do you have to have something there for it to start from? Mm. Like a, a, like a, a bud, like a, some root left, or if it's all gone, are you sort of out of luck? But I mean, you think about your fingernails. I cut my fingernails every other day because they grow all the time. You know, our teeth, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that this has taken so long. Like uh, the sharks out there are going, we got lots of teeth. <laughs> We got rows and rows of teeth. What's taking you humans so long to figure this out? They had to identify the molecule responsible for tooth development. So they did that. And then they had to figure out to have these different molecules interact. You know, your basic concept of bone morphogenetic protein, WNT signaling, you know, just that kind of stuff. Does that ring a bell to anyone? Oh, of course. That's all. What did we decide this morning that this is a long play by Hugh Jackman? From the Wolverine movies, <laughs> he's been he's been marketing this for what 12, 13 years now. Well, he's yeah, he's been the, the Wolverine. His superpower isn't that he has the metal blades; it's that he can heal basically instantly, and he barely ages as a result of that. And yeah, maybe we can get some of that uh, Wolverine gene. But I, I, two two things. One, I think if to help if this can help animals regrow teeth, that's that's another side benefit because I remember my cat Frankie. Had uh, he had an issue with his cat with his tooth, and uh, apparently that can like lead to other potential health complications. And I always wonder if the fact that we didn't get that taken care of, if maybe that's why he eventually got sick and died. Mm. Uh, But we just couldn't afford it. So if there's a drug that can help with that, versus the whatever, I think it was almost going to be like a thousand dollars for them to do what they needed to do with his tooth. If they can just remove whatever's there and put put in a new this drug. That's great. Um, and yeah, for like my, I know people who have had dentures as long as I've known them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure they would love to have their teeth back. But then here's one Greg, you would take the lab grown teeth. Sure. Would you eat the lab grown beef that they were talking about last week? <laughs> mm, I'd try it. Yeah, I'd try it. Because both things go in your mouth. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I would try it. I would try it. What's curious to me is how would they. So say like, you know, you need a bicuspid. Mm -hmm. 
How are they going to know that you're growing a bicuspid? Like, are you just going to kind of grow a tooth-like mass? Like your front and then, tooth ends up in the back? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, because well, obviously your your teeth are all a different shape. So, yeah. you know, how, how, how are they going to work that out? How are they going to program that? Well, their little DNA, little program there. They're going to test this in kids starting in 2025. They think wow. if all goes well, because there's also kids who are born, you know, uh, it's called anodontia. They're born without teeth or without some of their teeth. And so they're going to try it, a clinical trial in 2025, again, if all goes well. And then after that, I guess we'll see. Yeah, hopefully this works because that's this is like when you mentioned it this morning, that that is the stuff of science fiction. So the fact that they're actually doing this and moving towards making it happen, it sounds almost like miraculous to me. And the things you pointed out, Loren, with regard to the detriment of one's life when teeth are an issue, it's like losing your hearing. It's mm-hmm. like losing your eyesight. It's a huge part. Think about when of, you have something stuck in your mouth and you can't get that out and you cover your mouth. And now if you don't have the teeth, you don't smile, you don't talk, you don't eat. It sucks. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We have tickets to give away for Journey coming to Winnipeg. March 4th, 2024, Canada Life Center with special guests Toto. That's a solid one-two punch of a concert. So we're asking you about your favorite double threats. Christy, one of our runners up here, this made me laugh because I can relate. Christy says, Ford and tow trucks. (laughs) So I laughed because my uh, once upon a time, I had a 1994 Ford Taurus, the mighty Taurus, as my friends lovingly referred to it because it was a piece of junk. And it saw many tow trucks in its time. Uh, so, but then she went on to say, but just, just kidding here, but for real Mario and Luigi, <laughs> that's so, a good duo. Yes, for sure. And then Arlene Christofferson, and she sent us a picture of this, which I imagine, I guess she held on to, uh, this goes back to 1966 tickets were $7 on the floor at the Winnipeg arena. A whole bunch of the opening acts for the Rolling Stones. I actually just sent this poster to one of my best friends yesterday. Mm. I saw it on uh, Facebook. Oh, funny. Oh, yeah. One of these Winnipeg time gone by uh, groups on Facebook. And uh, yeah, it, it's the, the McCoys, the Standells, the Ronettes, and the Huntsmen. July 17th, Winnipeg Arena. Oh, well, perhaps that maybe that's where this picture came from. Maybe. Was that very same Facebook picture. Yeah, this is my buddy Daryl. We are saying uh, was it's not a party till they play the Stones. <laughs> so I had to send this to him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you were at like an electronic dance Anywhere. party? Anywhere. Didn't matter. Or a country party. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. <laughs> Daryl, it's not a party till we play the Stones. Although at an electric dance music party, you, you, you could do, you could do, you do like a remix. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the Stones go-to song? You got How do you pick hour? one? <laughs> Forte, you got lots of stones in he your always, like, uh, he repertoire. Pl- he often plays Doom and Gloom. For me, it would be Love is Strong. That's my Ooh. favorite. Although Jumpin' Jack Flash. Give me shit. You know what? Never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to open that can of worms. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I miss you. Um, anyway. But Loren, do you see our winner is George. George says, I am probably dating myself going all the way back to this duo. But my favorite duo would be Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder in the movie See No Evil, Hear No Evil. I've yes. watched that movie probably 100 times in my lifetime. I will probably watch it another 100. I don't think there's a funnier movie out there, and they are so good acting together. It's an unbelievable time watching this film. I've watched it with my children, grandkids, and many friends in the past. This movie came out in 1989, and I remember renting it and watching it with my dad and my sister probably just a year after that. So I was 12, 13, and... 
Uh, this was easily the most uh, verbally obscene <laughs> movie I had ever watched. So I was just howling with laughter. It's a, and it's a ridiculous premise. Richard Pryor is blind. Gene Wilder is deaf. And I'm sure if I were to watch it again, it would be like offensive or whatever. But I don't think it was ever. They, were, they weren't trying to be like realistic. It was just this silly premise for the two of them to be goofy. Together. It was a con. Yeah. It's part of a con. Well, well they were yes. con for the no. They were they were they, they, in the in the movie. They were blind. Oh, they were. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't. They weren't. But oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. But Gene Wilder could speak like yeah, everything he said came out crystal clear. But there's a scene. Richard Pryor swears a lot in that movie. No, you don't say. Yeah, I know. But he swears <laughs> even more than usual. And Wilder gets upset. He's like, "You sure swear a lot." And then uh, Pryor swears at him. So Wilder has it has has enough, and he weaves. Just such a wonderful tapestry of obscenity. And I remember rolling on the floor laughing. And I have very fond memories of this movie. And George, I'm glad that you get to share those memories with your family. That's fantastic. I got to find it. It's funny. Rotten Tomatoes. I just was looking it up. It's really lambasted it. Yeah. Like it's just not, Matters an, un, not. an unfunny dud. But it's <laughs> interesting. You know, we were talking about the Office reboot this morning. If they're going to do a Office reboot, what was funny even 10 years ago is not, is not necessarily funny now and sometimes it's when you watch something back yeah and sometimes you watch it back and it just takes you back to a time and you think you know what know what that was funny then and i'm sticking with that so i gotta find it george thank you for that congratulations you're going a journey and toto right now we want to talk about how a recent program providing free burial plots for veterans in city-run cemeteries in Winnipeg, has been cancelled after just one year. From what we understand, there is some discussion going on about this at City Hall. Our next guest is a passionate veterans advocate and the coordinator for No Stone Left Alone here in Manitoba. He's also the son of a World War II veteran. We're joined now by Peter Martin. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you bringing this to our attention because uh, when Brett emailed me about it earlier this week, I thought, well, hang on, didn't we just introduce this program? So take us back to last spring. What was implemented in the city for veterans? Okay, so in, in 2021, I noticed uh, I, as part of my activities with No Stone Left Alone, I noticed that Stonewall were offering free plots for veterans in their field of honour. So I said, what's well, a wonderful show of appreciation for those who serve and continue to serve. So I suggested that to my counselor, um, Sean Nathan in Transcona. He brought it forward. We went through a bunch of meetings. I presented, and finally, in January of 2022, a motion was approved to provide free plots for veterans in the field of honor, if they wish, to be buried there. And, uh, and also directed that it be funded from our current 2022 budget and then moved to be put in the 2023 four-year operating budget. So I thought, oh, that's great. It's going to be there forever. And then in January of this year, pardon me, in, in April of this year, I had a call from a veteran's widow asking me to help her arrange her free plot for her husband. And I made inquiries to the cemetery branch, and they explained to me, I'm sorry, the money was not approved to have the program go any further. I said, you mean 2022 was it? And they said, yeah, we have, our hands are tied. The money wasn't in the budget. So then I started inquiring and finding out that on March 9th, the Sherry Rollins Committee on Property Planning Development uh, received the budget request, and instead of finding the money, they received the disinformation, and that killed the program. How much money were they asked uh, to find? 20, 
less than 23,000. And in 2022, there was 11 veterans who took up the offer and wished to be buried in the field of honor. But it's like $23,000 uh, annually. So I didn't think it was, I mean, of course, it's big money, but not for me anyways, not in the city budget. So it's not a lot. And it was very quietly shut down. And I, I wasn't going to sit back and let that happen because if I didn't say something, it would just go away and nobody would realize uh, it was dead. To be clear, you're talking $23,000 total for those 11 veterans to have a burial that, product. That's correct. Okay. That's right. Now you've spoken. And the direction was clear. Find the money in the multi-year budget, but it wasn't. You've spoken with some city councillors on this. What are they saying? Well, I emailed all the councillors. Uh, to get out, I said, I just want you to be prepared for questions from your, your, your voters when I put the word out that this has been killed. I want you to be prepared to answer those questions. Within 15 minutes of sending the email to the city councilors, Councillor Edie emailed me, I am committing to get them, committed to getting that money back in the budget. Same with Councillor Wyatt. So this, uh, they for sure are going to be bringing a motion forward to get this funding included in the four-year operating budget. And they're going to be submitting a motion um, that will be referred to EPC. And I will be speaking on that motion. So in the next month, probably, they will put in that motion. So I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't stand, like, I can't assume it's going to be approved. So I've got to keep letting, know, letting veterans know that if you're thinking of the free plot for veterans, I'm sorry the program is not in place right now, but I'm really pushing to get it back in place. And I had a lot of support from veterans and veterans groups. Everybody's been petitioning the mayor to please reinstate this program because it's just a small show of appreciation for veterans for what they did. That's, that's the least we can do for all those who served and continue to serve. So I was very saddened, but you know me, Brett, I'm a Transcona guy and I'm going to push to get this back in place because it, it's not right. <laughs> boy. Otherwise, well, do you? I know that you've spoken with veterans on this, including one from Afghanistan. So, what are they? What are they saying about this? Well, he approached me on at a veterans dinner on Sunday and said, "Oh, by the way, do you know that we get free plots in the field of honor?" I said, "Well, you did, but you don't." He said, "No, no, it's there. I know it is." I, as I showed him, I said, "I'm really sorry. It was there, but they've canceled it, and nobody knows." I'm trying to get publicity out, so he's he was livid. He said, "Oh, just another thing that." People give us and then take away. That's another thing. And he he serves. He suffers. Uh, you know, often good days and bad days. And I felt so sad that we had to tell him we've taken away. Something's been removed. So you're right. Lots of uh, veterans are assuming it's still there, and that's why I'm on your show today, just to say I'm really sorry. I'm hoping and praying it's going to come back, but right now it's not. So I'm, 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 it's not there. And I just want veterans and organizations to know. Um, and, and they can help by just uh, asking the mayor very nicely, please reinstate. It's, it's a, a nice act of appreciation, a token of appreciation, and we appreciate it. So please consider reinstating. Peter, there is a what's called a last post fund that is, uh, you know, the goal is to help veterans with a dignified funeral. They have some criteria. And, and is that largely for people who, can, who potentially can't afford the burial at all? Like, what's the difference between that program and what you'd like the city to continue to offer? Because you use the word appreciation. It's not just about the dollars. It's about the, well, the, last the gesture. Well, the operates under Veterans Affairs Canada. And you're right. There's two criteria. One is a financial means test. It's a very significant, stringent financial means test. And in 2022, uh, less than half that applied 
were approved. And I was, I think it was 30 that uh, were approved out of the 64. Um, but there's another uh, situation where you can get free funding if you are, uh, uh, your medical authority decides your cause of death was due to service, and then you can also get funding. But it's strictly for those who can't afford uh, the funeral uh, test. But our, our program was strictly for any veteran who served. No matter what their situation is financially, we want to say thank you for your, and appreciate your service. But the last post fund has a, a place. It's very useful, but it's there again, it's based on financial means says and we don't want to, in ours, have that kind of situation. Peter, what drives your path? We've talked to you about these issues before, but like you, you know, you mentioned Transcona and I think of your involvement in, in getting the steam engines uh, re- restored and saved the one on Plessy's Ave or Plessy's road, which is yes. just a beautiful monument now. So like you, you really are tireless. So like what, what keeps you going on this stuff? Well, it's going because my father always said, you know, if you want to see things happen, don't assume somebody else is going to do it. Don't sit back and wait for others to do it. If you if you feel passionate about something, make it happen. And it, and it's true. Like Dave Stewart and myself just got banners installed in Transcona with the help of the biz and the museum that are, that uh, um, show appreciation to every one of the 123 fallen soldiers of Transcona. We got 63 banners downtown Transcona with their picture on it because we feel strong. We need to remember their service, but that wouldn't happen without guys like Dave Stewart and the museum and others. So my passion is driven by um, my community commitment. My father used to be mayor of Transcona. And so I've got some DNA in me that says, you know, be proud of your community. Like every community has people that take pride in their community, but you need to step up and make things happen without waiting for politicians and others to make it happen. So that's my drive, Brett. And team. <laughs> well, Peter, if you get a chance to get the mayor's ear or someone else at some point this week, what's what's your 15-second pitch to them if you had only just a few moments? I'll just say, uh, Mr. Mayor, first of all, do you realize the impact of the decision made by this committee? Are you aware and do you realize the impact? And that in some veterans have told me it's hurtful, it's disgraceful, and it's sad. And I'm saying it's, it's a very small price to pay for a small token of appreciation. Um, on a side note, I started with the Bread Ends of Discounts for Veterans program and, and Transcona now it's spreading in the province where we're at least getting stickers for veterans, putting on the door of business and say, we'll give you veterans discounts. You deserve at least a discount for your business because of your service. So it's all these little things that add up to a token of appreciation. So, Mr. Mayor, if you're listening, this isn't a big, big, big deal, but it's a token of something that shows that that you do care, the city cares and in a tangible way. Hey, Peter, if a business owner listening to this uh, wasn't aware of, I didn't know about that program you just mentioned, and they want to participate in, in offering that discount, uh, where do they get that sticker? Well, just email our, our Transcona Legion and they'll forward it to me. And then we have stickers donated by Wyatt Dowling that we put in your window that says we support our veterans. And then there's a discount. They just had Princess Auto asked for disc for the vet stickers for all the stores in Canada saying we support our veterans and they do. So there's a support decal and there's a discount decal. So if you look at the Transcona Legion website, you'll see a spot in the website that says, here's all the businesses that are offering discounts to veterans. And that's so veterans who want to know, contact the museum or the Legion and they'll contact me and, and look, we've got about 50 or so discounts for veterans, auto dealership, you name it. I even got a tattoo put on my wrist 
because of the discount program for me. So, it, yeah, it, it's a it's a small thing to do, but it's something that says to veterans when they see the sticker on the door, we thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. We got to continue saying thank you because many don't realize the experiences and the impact of those experiences on so many men and women, and that it will never go away. And they try to live, but the least we can do is say, we can't fix you, but we can certainly say thank you. Peter, thank you for all you do. We really appreciate you reaching out to us this week. Thank you for having me on the air. Thank you for your ongoing support. And next time I see you folks, I'm going to give you a deco for your window. I'll take it. Because you support veteran stuff so much, and it's it's appreciated. Thank you, unless we forget. Peter Martin is the Manitoba coordinator for No Stone Left Alone. Such a passionate veterans advocate, works with the Transcona Museum, does all kinds of great stuff in the community. And I didn't know that about the banners that mm-hmm. have been put up. So I haven't been for a haircut in a few weeks. So next time I go for a haircut, I'll make sure to take some time to reflect on that and maybe visit the Circle Park uh, Cenotaph there. And the website, by the way, is transconalegion.ca if you want to go there. There's a, there's a thing right on the top banner that says Veterans Discounts.